Oh my gosh, everybody, you are going to love this Coach's Corner with my friend, Jim Quick, who calls himself the Brain Coach. There are so many goodies in this episode. We talk about improving your memory, changing your beliefs, self-talk, and really using the superpower of your brain. So get ready to get your notebook out, get ready to stop any distractions, turn off anything else and really, really focus on listening to this episode. Because if you truly listen and you're truly present and you implement these things, you can change your brain. And when you change your brain, you change your life. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jim. He's awesome. Jim Quick, that's his real name, is the founder of Quick Learning and a widely recognized world expert in speed reading, memory improvement, brain performance, and accelerated learning. For two decades, he served as a mental coach to students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and educators, and as an advisor to many of the world's leading CEOs and celebrities. He'll tell you a little bit more about his personal story and how he got into this in the episode. He is also the founder and curator of Superhero U, Change Your Brain, Change the World, an annual learning conference and media property featuring a handicap all-star expert faculty and an audience of dynamic thinkers, doers, and dreamers. You'll really appreciate Jim's brain in this Coach's Corner, and you'll also feel his heart. Enjoy. Jim, I am psyched to have you here. Thank you so much for making time to come on the show today. Christine, I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this, and thank you to everyone who's uh, joining us. Well, everyone's in for a treat because you call yourself a brain coach, which I love because one of the big things we talk about on the show is rewiring our brain. So before we get into how we do that, give me your definition of what a brain coach is. You know, it's kind of like I think some of the most successful people have coaches, right? They have business coaches or they have a voice coach or they have an acting coach or they have a financial coach and or even a personal trainer, right, for your body. I'm, I'm kind of like a personal trainer for the mind, just like a personal trainer wants to get you fit. They want to get you strong. They want to get you younger and, and, and more energetic and sharper and faster. That's what I want to do for people's brains. And I think it's timely because... Who doesn't want a more youthful, agile, faster, focused, stronger brain? <laughs> and the world we live in right now, it's it's, it's changing. It's rapid. Yeah. And there's so much information overload and the amount of change that's happening. And no longer are we paid for our, our muscle power. We're paid for our mind power, right? In today's information age, knowledge is not only power, it's profit. And I don't mean just financial profit. I mean the, all the treasures of our life. And when we could upgrade our brain, we could upgrade our, all the areas of our life, our health, our relationships, our career. And, and I'm so, I'm so excited to be able to share with, with everybody here today. Yeah. And it's, it is huge. You mentioned something about, you know, the world we live in and all the distractions. Let's talk about that for a moment. Cause what's so different, you know, was our brain really kind of equipped for how much <laughs> we process on a daily basis? I mean, there's so much that we take in. It has, has our brain had to change to adapt to all of that? Well, you know this because you talk about rewiring our brains and certainly the environment and the demands today are much more than they were in previous generations and previous years. And so the rate of change is happening. And they say like, I mean, think about 
the amount of information the average person has to process every single day. Think about how many books on people's shelves they haven't read yet. Think about how many emails and websites and prospectus and business plans and newspapers and magazines. There's so much information. Oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it. I know, (laughs) but doesn't it feel like you're trying to take a sip of water out of a fire hose? Yes. And I feel like when I'm talking to individuals, they feel like they're they're drowning in information, but they're starving for wisdom. Mm. And what I love helping people do is be able to equip them uh, with uh, the powers and the abilities that they already have dormant inside of them. They just weren't taught how to use them because when I when I go in front of an audience or people see me on YouTube, I'll memorize like a room full of people's names. So they'll give me 50 or 100 words or numbers and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. And I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to every single one of you that it's possible and that you could do it too. It's just we weren't taught how to do it. If anything, we were taught a lie. Uh, we were taught a lie that somehow our intelligence or our potential or our learning or our memory is somehow fixed like our shoe size. Mm-hmm. And we've discovered, you know this, we've discovered more in the past 20 years about the human brain, more in the past 20 years than the previous 2,000 years. And what we found is that we're grossly underestimating its own capacity and that you have this supercomputer between your ears. It just doesn't come with an owner's manual. And we aren't taught how to use it even in traditional education, right? right. Traditional education hasn't changed a lot over, over, you know, I mean, they say if Rip Van Winkle woke up today after decades of slumber, the only thing he would recognize is our schools. And it's not wow. a, a slight, that's depressing. Yeah, it's not a slight against teachers at all. Um, I actually grew up with learning challenges. A lot of some people don't know that I, I had a brain injury when I was in kindergarten. I had learning challenges. I didn't understand things. Things would have to be repeated over and over and over again. Uh, I was labeled, you know, the boy with the broken brain. And I remember hearing that as as a child from a teacher. Um, and so it took me an extra three years to learn how to read. And I just noticed that. School taught you what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish, important subjects, but there were zero classes on how to learn, how to think, how to be creative, how to solve problems, how to listen, how to have focus and concentration, how to read faster, how to remember things. I always thought it should have been the fourth R, reading, writing, arithmetic, but what about recall? What about Mm -hmm. retention? And Socrates says there is no learning without memory and uh, without remembering. And that's what I, I want people to remember the things in their life. And it's it, even we could grow older, but in a lot of ways we could grow better. So it's not it's not people's age, it's not their their background, their career, their diet, education. I mean, all that plays a part, certainly. But genetics it only plays one third of of it. Ge- biology and genetics, but two thirds is completely in our control. Wow. And everyone who's listening to this, you have this incredible superpower. And my passion is showing people how to unleash it. Awesome. I know you're big into superpowers. I've been to your house and you have like huge superheroes all over your house that are bigger than life, which is super, super cool. Um, So let's talk about these superpowers because that's where, you know, I have a lot of people, they call into the show and they say, I know I have this belief and I need to, to change it or I can't seem to change my thinking. And they always ask how, 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 how. And I'm so glad that you're here as a brain coach to give people the how, to give them that practical, tactical things they can do to actually change their brain. Without a doubt. I mean, I think everybody has this dormant power. So really, I believe that the reason why I'm on this mission is because when I overcame my learning challenges around the age of 18, um, I, I, I was tutoring and I, I helped this one student. She was a freshman in, in college and she ended up reading 30 books in 30 days. I mean, that's just remarkable, wow. right? 30 books in 30, one book a day for wow. a month. And I found out her motivation was her mother 
was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer, was given 60 days to live. Doctors gave him two, two, two months. And the books she was reading, though, her daughter was reading, were books on wellness and health. And she was determined to save her mother's life. And she ended up doing so. And that's why I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is your superpower. And so what we could discuss on this coaching call is really the keys to learning faster. Because I mm. think if there's one skill to master in the 21st century, it's the ability to learn faster and to think faster and to remember things faster because the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds. I mean, it's being produced. Uh, I, I heard that the chairman of Google, who obviously knows a lot about information, said the amount of information that's been created from the dawn of humanity to the year 2003, just a little over a decade ago, that amount of information now is created every two days online. What? Isn't that, yeah. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, that's why, but doesn't, don't you feel oh. the pressure and the demands and, yes. you know, rewiring our brains with like even social media and how people are driven to distraction and, and they actually call it digital dementia. That's a new terminology now in healthcare. Digital, digital dem dementia. What does that mean? That means that we're outsourcing our brains to our smart devices all the time, right? We're, it's keeping our calendar. It's doing simple math. It's giving us directions that we normally would know. It's keeping all our phone numbers and everything. And so your, your mind is like a muscle, but it's use it or lose it. And if I put my arm in a sling for six months, eight months, a year, it wouldn't grow stronger. It wouldn't even stay the same. It would atrophy. And what they're finding is when we're outsourcing our brain to third-party devices like um, GPS or whatever, we're not actually getting, we wouldn't, we're actually not noticing where we would have memory losses and they're actually not getting early detection of um, dementia because people aren't going to get checked out from their doctor. And so we're relying on, so in essence, our smart devices are making us not so smart. Now I, I'm, I'm, I love my smart device. I don't want to memorize hundreds or thousands of phone numbers if I don't need to. It's convenient, but it's also it could be crippling. Mm -hmm. And so people, I mean, think about how many phone numbers you knew growing up. Oh, a ton. And I remember when I was an assistant at an agency, that was my first job. And I, you know, we had, we used a phone, you know, and had to dial numbers. And I must right. have had, um, I must have had 100 to 200 phone numbers memorized of the numbers right. I had to dial frequently. And, but, and you could do that. And that's the thing. And no one needs to be able to memorize that nowadays, but they're not using their, their brains in a way that it's focused, you know, that we're not using their imagination or you're not using mm. their memory muscles. And so there's simple things that people could do to upgrade their brain and these little brain hacks. And I love, you know, sharing these like little five, 10 minute brain hacks that can make a big difference in your performance, in your productivity and your profitability. Well, so can you give us some? What, give us yeah. some hacks, Jim. So, yeah, let's do it. So I'm, I'm just <laughs> rapid fire. it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, um, so for example, if, as you're listening to this, if you think of a subject or a skill that you'd like to learn faster, any subject, any skill, it could be music, it could be martial arts, it could be Mandarin, you know, it, it, it could be marketing, right? Think about a subject or skill, and there, there are four keys to learning faster that, that can really accelerate the process. And just simple, remember this, fast, F-A-S-T, F-A-S-T. And the F stands for, if you want to learn something faster, the first thing I would recommend is you forget. And you're like, Jim, you're a memory expert. Why are you talking about forgetting? <laughs> and I feel like what you people need to forget is this, is temporarily forget about what you know about a subject. Because Christine, I'm not sure you've seen this before. It's like somebody goes to learn something, but if you feel like you already know it, then you're not going to learn anything new, right? right. Sometimes as we, as we grow older, we feel like that, you know, we, we kind of got this covered and then it doesn't open us up to new things. So I would temporarily forget about what you know about a subject just temporarily so you could take in new information without judgment. The second thing I would forget is situational things. 
uh, we talked about focus and, you know, we live in a world where tr- people are trying and failing to multitask, right? They think that they could be doing two, three, four different cognitive activities at once. And the research shows it is absolutely not possible yeah. that when people are trying to do two thinking intensive tasks, that they're not actually being productive. It's actually less productive because every time you switch from one activity to another, there's a switching cost that it mm. could take anywhere from five to 20 minutes just to get your flow back. And that's the challenge. We're actually losing ground Mm. when we're trying to multitask. So what I'm asking people to forget, besides forgetting about what they know about the subject temporarily, is forget about anything that's not urgent and important that takes you out of the present. Because, for example, if you're in a seminar listening to a a podcast or you're reading a book, if you're trying to think about other things that are going on, and and let's say 25% of you is thinking about the kids and 25% is thinking about the clients and 25% is thinking about the bills, that only leaves you 25% to be present. And that's how efficient you're going to be. So you're not going to learn faster. And then the third F, um, like forget thing I would recommend is forget about your limitations. A lot of people have self-imposed helplessness, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that they'll say to themselves, and you know this, Christine, the people say to themselves, oh, I'm just too old or I'm just, my memory's not good or I didn't have this education or my, you know, whatever it is, right? Or this runs in my family. And here's the thing. And the people, that's what they tell me, but they, they have this in other areas, right? In their finances and the relationship. People will fight for the limitations. And here's the thing. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Yep. <laughs> and that's a big, big challenge. And so I would eliminate the negative self-talk. So I would temporarily forget about your negative self-talk, forget about your limitations, because the truth is people are grossly underestimating what they're capable of. Now, the A in FAST stands for active, active. And what I mean by that is a lot of us grow up with this 20th century education that prepared us for a 20th century world. And a 20th century education was cookie cutter, assembly line, one size fits all, sit quietly by yourself, don't talk to your neighbor. And we don't live in that world anymore, right? We live in an age of electric cars and spaceships that are going to Mars. But our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning is like a horse and buggy. And that's why people feel overloaded and they feel stressed. They call it information fatigue syndrome because everything is a syndrome nowadays, higher blood pressure, greater levels of stress, more sleeplessness, right? All these challenges that people have and it's affecting our health. And so what I would say is one of the things that help you to be to learn faster is not to be passive, is but to be active. So the A stands for active and fast. And that basically means to get involved, to ask questions, to take notes, to think about how you're going to teach this or share this with other people. So people could be right now active um, posting, right, and, and tagging you in the post or me in the post. And they could be active and engaged because what you put in is what you get out. Because here's the tweetable. Learning is not a spectator sport. Mm. Learning is not a spectator sport. So if people want to learn faster, they have to roll up their seats and be active. And that's how children learn, right? They get all involved in it. But um, like because 20th century education prepared us to be passive, to consume information. But the human brain doesn't learn based on consumption. It learns through creation. And that's what means to be active. The S in fast, this is really simple, is state, state. And what I mean by that, it's it's like the snapshot of your the mood of your mind and body, your feelings, your emotions, because the key to a long term memory. And this is if anyone if you take away anything out of this conversation is this information combined with emotion becomes a long term memory. Information combined with emotion Mm. becomes a long term memory. And you think about going back to school about. You know, you learned all this stuff, but do you really remember what the periodic table and the capitals of the states and the president? You don't, no one remembers that because the information was tied to an emotion that was what? What was the emotion back in school? 
Boredom. Exactly. So if if the emotion on a scale from zero to 10 is zero, zero times anything is zero. And so there's no recall. And so what I'm saying when it comes to state is if you want to learn faster, you think about what we want to be able to absorb and apply that the state you learn something in gets linked to the information. And so, and you know this because if you, I mean, who doesn't have a song that doesn't take you back, you know, years, right? Or a, right. or a smell or a food that could take you back decades because information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. And so what I say by this is put yourself into a state of, and of course, who controls our state, right? We do, we control how we feel. And that's why I, I, I appreciate your community because I see them more as thermostats than thermometers. Mm-hmm. It's the metaphor I just use, meaning like a thermometer, a thermometer's function is what? It just reflects what the environment is giving it. And that's how a lot of people go through life. And we all are at some points thermometers. We we are affected by the weather. We're affected by the economy. We are affected by our clients and their temperament and everything. But to the degree we get our autonomy and we can become a thermostat, a thermostat's different. A thermostat actually sets a standard. It sets a vision. It sets a goal. And then what happens to the environment? It just changes. You know, it raises to that standard. And that that's what I could appreciate with people who step up and engage uh, with with like yourself, because they're they're active in it and they take responsibility. And I think the most important thing to take responsibility for is how we feel on a regular basis. Yeah. And so a lot of people, I would never want to learn something in a bored state because you could control that. You control your thoughts, you control your physiology and your posture and your breathing. So if I would get into that state because all, this is a tweetable, all learning is state dependent. All mm. learning is state dependent. So you can always consciously raise yourself because we have that responsibility to do so. And then finally, the T in FAST stands for teach, teach. And what I mean by that is that if you want to learn something faster, learn with the intention and the motive to teach it to someone else. Learn with the intention to teach it to someone else. Like if somebody oh, he was listening to this right now, wanted to learn this information better and faster and more long term, then think about somebody in your life that could really benefit from this. And think about, oh, how would I teach this to somebody? How would I give a presentation on Monday morning about this topic? Because notice if you had to give a presentation, would you, what would increase? Like your, your attention would, would increase, your, your um, investment in it would increase, your focus would increase, you would take better notes, you would ask more questions, you would make it your own in order to be able to share with someone else. And the, what I tell people is this, when I teach something, I get to learn it twice. Exactly. When I teach something, I get to learn it twice. And that's why it's great because you get to meet so many individuals in your line of, of work and you get to learn it and teach it. And that's why you get to this depth of understanding that other people don't get. Exactly. I, I always say like one of the, I think the main reasons I'm as happy as I am is because I teach this and I repeat this so, so often. And it's such a blessing, but you, and you don't have to be a coach or a speaker to be right. able to teach it. It's just, it's just about sharing it. And I think um, even as a parent, you have opportunities to teach your children about their brain so that you can give them a foundation of belief systems that really serve them and support them. Um, so you said something that I think is so important. You said information plus emotion equals long-term memory. And on this show, you know, a lot of people talk about things that have happened in their past. Mm-hmm. And a big reason they have a hard time getting over them is because they were told something and it was paired with something that was a strong emotional response, not necessarily the emotional response we want, hurt, anger, shame, those kind of things. So with those kind of memories that people have been carrying around that don't serve them anymore, 
what are some things people can do with their brain to reprogram it, to up-level it, and to get some of that old programming and those old memories out so that they're not bringing them back to the present time and time and time again? That's a great question. It's it's something that comes up often because a lot of people have challenges where they have limited emotions or limiting beliefs that hold them back, and that that's a big challenge. And so I'll, I'll give a, a, a few. Um, just these aren't um, these are more tips, right, as opposed to trainings, but some just general ideas on this subject. And so the way memory works, right, there's there's three parts to memory. You encode information, you store information, and then you retrieve information. Right, information comes in and it gets encoded, it gets stored, and then you, you need to recall it and pull it out. And so I agree that sometimes when people go through challenges, that emotions get linked in the encoding process. And so what I would do, um, there's a number of things, and this is, I mean, uh, obviously for people dealing with really difficult issues, they should seek you know the appropriate help in this mm-hmm. in this area. But every all our memories are representations in our mind. They're representations, meaning like we're not dealing with the actual reality. We're dealing with how we represent it inside of our mind, right? And so how we represent it can change, and it changes. When you change little things in our in our memories, you change the feeling behind it. Um, so, for example, if people think about a memory um, that they have, and I'm not saying think of a positive or negative one, maybe a neutral one. If they were to think about a memory, for example, and change it on the screen of their mind, of like, let's pretend that you're sitting in a theater and you have the memory in front of you on a screen, then for example, how you change the memory in your imagination, because I do believe imagination is more powerful than knowledge, as Einstein said, that that's where his gifts came from, from these thought experiments. And just imagine like you just turn down the color, like you could do on your computer screen or you could do Mm -hmm. on your television, and it changes, like if you make it black and white, it changes the feeling does this, if, if we go through this together, it changes some of the spark that's there. If we change the size of the screen, it changes, you know, the intensity also as well. If we change the background music, imagine that there's carnival music in the background instead of it. Because if we, if we have these representations, nobody's reality is exactly what it is on the inside. And we have the autonomy to be able to take something that's ordinary and make it more extraordinary. Um, the other things that knowing that you could change these little dials, imagine there's a dial underneath your computer and you could change the settings and the brightness and the color like you could on an Instagram screen. The, mo- the most powerful screen is the screen of your own mind. And a lot of people have more anxiety over something because they make it really big and bright and they step into it and they make it panorama. But that's how people do it. They code um, their memories so that it changes their feelings. Even when you think about somebody you th- that you care about, you look at them in your memory differently than you have somebody that you maybe have a not as strong as of a like for, for example. Um, one of the things that also uncouples like some of these associations, I mean, there's many tools, right? Everything from self-hypnosis to tapping to you name it, right? There are a lot of different things. My, one of my things that I, I'm very conscious of is my self-talk because there's um, when I, I, with a name like Quick, which is my real name, I didn't change it to do what I do. I had to be a runner, right? And so... One of the, I was reading a chapter of a book on how to run marathons, and this was on the psychology of running a marathon. And it said this uh, verbatim, because um, I'm you know, a memory expert. It said, uh, your brain is like a supercomputer, and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself you are not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. 
And it's kind of interesting that you have to be very conscious. One of the reasons why I think people um, have more angst, and again, this is not a quick fix, if you will, but if you want to be able to mitigate or lower some of the intensity, be very conscious of our negative self-talk because that's the program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at names, you're not good at this, or you're getting too old, it becomes an unconscious belief. And here's the thing with your self-talk. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. So as just like you stand guard to what you put into your body, like you wouldn't necessarily want certain foods or whatever inside your body, you have to stand guard also to your mind also as well. And so be conscious of the self-talk that we also have because that could greatly affect you know, how we feel. And also if everyone's listening to this right now, I've, I've gone, you know, I had learning challenges, very, very challenging challenges um, growing up with struggles in school. I had multiple head injuries and such. Um, recently I announced that for the past five years I had a very severe sleep apnea, which I, I never talked about, but I had breathing devices and everything that didn't help. I would stop breathing over 200 times a night each time suffocating at least 10 seconds, I would wake up, you know, not be able to breathe. And I would, I was getting 90 minutes total of sleep the past five years, a night total. And, um, and it's really hard, but it's really forced me to go through. I mean, it's very traumatic also being on the end of this where I'd be hospitalized, you know, numerous times. Um, but it, you know, there's, it builds a strength, it builds a commitment. And I feel like that, you know, sometimes our struggles become our biggest strengths and it forced me to really focus hard on my practices because when you have a limited amount of bandwidth or energy or focus or anything, you just have to be very conscious of your commitments and your what you know why you're here. Um, and so for everything in my life, it's everything is heck yes or heck no. If if you know, like I'm on having this conversation with you because it's a heck yes, mm. right? Because I don't want to be anywhere else. I just feel my intuition is supposed to happen like that. But if I don't feel that energy, I just say no because so many people listening to this overcommit. Like everybody has your to-do list, but very few people actually have a not-to-do list. And I would say to maintain your sanity in the 21st century, I would have a list that's larger than your to-do list. And these are the things that you will not do because it's just this whole concept of good to great, right? You say no to good so you can say yes to great. And a lot of people are overcommitting to things and that's why they're stressed, you know, and they feel like the stress state is like normal for them because they're just, they're living in it all the time. But when you're inside the bottle, you can't see the label and you can't see the things that are right in front of you sometimes. And what I encourage people to do is like, for example, on my not to do list is I don't touch my phone the first hour of the day or the last hour of the day. I just I just <laughs> I don't. I do the same thing. Yeah, me neither. It's, yeah. But it's so horrible, right? Like, but it's, it's so innocuous where people pick up the phone. It's, a, it's the first thing they see in the morning, last thing they touch at night. And that's the challenge, because if you if you pick up your phone, what is it filled up? It's filled with like requests and texts and emails from people wanting stuff from you. And it's training you just to be reactive and be distracted with these little dopamine fixes that we get with every like and comment and share. And that's not that that's not a good way. Like if you want to win the day, and I didn't make up this concept, but if you want to win the day, you want to win the first hour of the day. That's so true. That's so true. It really starts, it sets you up. And oh my gosh, there's so much in there that as you were talking, I'm over here like high-fiving you. <laughs> so the first thing, the self-talk, it's actually the episode that went up this week with Ravi. It was all about self-talk and inner critic. He was bullied a lot as a kid, and he internalized that bullying voice and, and the inner critic. So this is this is great because people that listen to that episode, this is this will be great um, supplementation to that. And you know, the other thing I wanted to, to highlight here is um, – 
a lot of what you talked about was visualization, you know, turning up the volume, turning up the color, like picturing what you want. And I've heard a lot of people say to me, well, I can't visualize. And I ask them, can you worry? Do you have anxiety? And they say, yeah. And I said, well, that's visualization. You're just using your imagination <laughs> poorly. So I love that you're bringing this forward, that the, the visualization of, of what we want and what we tell ourselves is so important. And I, this is something that I'm super aware of too, because I'm really good at exercise. I'm really good at putting great things in my body. And I've had to retrain my brain because my self-talk in the past was very negative. And so if I notice that there's a a negative belief or a self-talk that's not leading me in the direction that I don't want to go, I won't get mad at myself because that just makes it worse. I'll say, stop. This is not the direction that I want to go. And I'll start thinking of one thing I'm grateful for. And that Mm -hmm. helps me shift into something positive, even if it's looking at my hand and going, I have five fingers, like that's awesome. It <laughs> just, is. just something simple to be able to shift out of that, that negative self-talk. Um, so I love that, that you brought that up and, you know, back to, to memory just for a moment, because I know there's a lot of people that are trying to memorize things. There's people that may be in school or master's degrees. What are some, cause I know you have a lot of tips for, for reading faster and for committing things to memory faster that you haven't gone over yet. Can you give us a couple of those? Certainly. Um, I think memory is so important. It's a starting point for all learning. And so if people are listening and they feel like their memory is not quite where where it should be, like senior moments are coming a little bit early or they'll read a page in a book and they'll get to the end and they just forget what they just read. They feel absent-minded, misplace things, and like they'll walk into a room and just forget why they're there, those kind of things. All those could be reduced um, because I too I do believe that two of the most costly words sometimes in our days are I forgot, you know mm-hmm. I forgot to do it I forgot to bring it I forgot that conversation I forgot that appointment I forgot that person's name right and it, it's a challenge because it wastes a lot of time and energy and so um, when it comes to memory I believe that there are simple things that people could do to up level their memory it's just we weren't taught how to do it. And so three keys to a better memory, I would say, is just remember mom, M-O-M, M-O-M. Very, very simple. And I, I like I like giving these kind of quick brain tips. For yeah, I love these. These are great. Because it's, it's simple. Like you remember these things like in school, like the homes, like the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior, and so on. But um, okay, so let's let's apply it towards remembering names. So that's one of the things that we get common is people come to me just saying, I'm horrible at remembering names and I'm, you know, I'm so embarrassed when I have to ask someone's name two or three times. And, and it's, it's a very important skill, right? Cause how are you going to show somebody you care if you're, you know, a real happy relation, if you just be care for their future, their health or their family, if you don't care just to remember their name. Yes. And so for example, if someone has trouble remembering name, which is like 95% of the population complain about it, if there was a suitcase, let's say of $200,000 cash, just imagine $200,000 cash, or I know you have a lot of international listeners, whatever the equivalent is in their currency, and it's yours for you or your favorite charity. If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet, who's going to remember that person's name? A hundred percent of the people. Every hundred percent. So 95% of the population to complain about their memory for names. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're, now they're all memory experts, right? So I, I, I do this to illustrate a point that it had nothing to do with uh, your capacity or your potential. You have the ability to do it, but a lot of people, because it's not like people used any kind of technique, 
but they were motivated. So the M in mom stands for motivation. In fact, if you look at if anything you're forgetting, 90% chance that one of these three things is missing. So check your motivation. And simple, something simple people could do when they want to improve their memory, let's say it's names, is ask yourself, you know, why do I want to remember this person's name? It's a very simple question before you meet them. Why do I want to remember this person's name? And maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to make a sale. Maybe it's to practice these things we listen to in this conversation, right? But if you if you can't just come up with one reason, you're more likely to remember it. But if you can't come up with a reason, you won't get the result. And that's what I tell people, that reasons reap results. Mm. Reasons reap results that you start with why, you know, as a... As, as, uh, the book with Simon Sinek talks about, right? Start with why. So check in your motivation. The O in mom stands for observation, observation. And this is so important. A lot of people, Christine, they, they blame their, their forgetfulness to their retention, but it's not your retention. It's your attention. There's a difference, right? So a lot of people, let's take names. Um, a lot of people, they're not forgetting the name. They're just not hearing the name. So for example, I had the privilege to be able to meet President Bill Clinton on a number of occasions. And I remember the second time I met him, he remembered my name. And I was blown away wow. by that because who, because there were the first time there were a lot of important people, much more important than I was. And like, how did he remember my name? And I remember asking him, I was like, you know, I'm a memory coach. I'd love to know what memory technique you use to be able to remember my name in our last conversation. And he said, Jim, I don't use any memory techniques. And I, I dig die. I, you know, I did a deep dive in a wanted to find out. And he told me these stories. And one of them was about his grandfather telling stories around the living room and to the grandchildren. But afterwards, they, he would do something different. He would ask them questions and quiz them to see if they were paying attention. And I noticed that on the second occasion and third occasion that every, when I was talking to him, he wasn't distracted. Like most people, sometimes they're looking over your shoulder or they're looking who else is in the room and they're you know, they're distracted or if they're not distracted externally, they're distracted internally. Because the truth is a lot of times when people are talking to somebody, they're not even listening. They're just waiting for their turn to speak, right? And they're thinking about how they're going to respond. And if your attention is there, you're not really observing and listening. And I noticed that that President Clinton, I mean, everyone knows him, regardless of your political um, ideology, you know, he's a communicator. He's a, he's got charisma, right? He's a connector I and mean, he's got an incredible memory, but I think his powerful presence, his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? It's I, like I, one I of those things. do. Yeah. It's, it's at my retreats, I have a minimum 30 people there and I have their names memorized pretty quickly, um, because they matter and it matters. And I set yeah. that intention and it, it's, it's, it's just a focus and it's a choice. So I love that you're saying this because I've applied this and it really does work. And then that's a fundamental belief you have that we we're talking about beliefs before and that even your motivation goes up because it matters because how are you going to show someone you care if you don't care just to remember them? Exactly. And so the O is observation. It's just you could have a great memory like President Clinton or you could have its powerful presence by being powerfully present with people. Even if you take the word listen and people just kind of put it in their mind or write it down and you scramble the letters that spells another word perfectly. It spells the word silent. And most people aren't silent when they're with individuals. So even when I'm talking about this also, yes, I'm talking about memory, but ultimately when I'm talking about the M and the O, motivation and observation, it's just really good training and a good practice to be a better person, 
right? Just to be more motivated to care about people and just to be more observant and be present with people will just make you just a better person. But the final M in mom stands for mechanics, mechanics, and not the person that fixes your car, but these are the actual strategies, the tools, the techniques on how to give a speech without memorize a speech and give it without notes and how to learn another language and how to read faster and how to improve your focus. All the things that I, that I teach in our programs and our podcast, but it's like the strategies, those are the recipes. But I start with motivation because notice like how you're able to memorize 30 people's names because you're motivated because you care. Right. And then the O is you, you pay attention you're you're observant to it. And so I put the last M is last in terms of the tactics because the tactics are easy. Yeah, the, the tech, it's the, it's the choice and the practice. And this is, this is all awesome. I want to talk to you for like five more hours, <laughs> but I know you have other things to do. And what's so great is that people can get way, way more of you and your tactics and your insight and also your inspiration. You know, I, I know that you give a lot of practical, tactical advice, Jim. I also really want to acknowledge your heart and how much you inspire and how much this really comes from a place of wanting to empower people and wanting people to tap into their own superpowers. So, so thank you so much for your commitment to teach us about our superpowers and to be such an inspiring brain coach. I really, really appreciate you. And I know that you have a new podcast out where you're giving quick tips um, frequently. So can you tell people about your podcast, what it's called and what it's about? Sure. Um, it's called Quick Brain, K-W-I-K Brain. And it's all the opposite of having a lot of people complain about having a slow brain, right? That's just full of mental fatigue and mental fog and forgetfulness. And this is about turning that around. And it's really a short podcast. It's only it's myself and me talking for like 10, 15 minutes, giving you one brain tip, one brain hack, if you will. And it's for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. And so we have episodes on how to read faster, on how to read one book a week, 52 books a year, even without speed reading. We have books on no, sessions on how to remember names and my five, my favorite 10 brain foods and uh, how to learn a language. And those we go every single week and it just takes 10, 15 minutes to listen to an episode. But I promise when people are done with it, they have one idea that they could apply right away, very digestible, very usable to increase their productivity, their performance, their profitability, if you will. And um, yeah, I, I challenge I challenge people to, to really, my, my goal, because I grew up with a the broken brain as a teacher mm. labeled me with is to just to build brighter, better brains. Because I feel like when people could tap that superpower, that anything is possible. Mm. Well, that's, as, that's as much as I don't love that that teacher said that to you, in a way I'm glad because it connected you to your, your dharma and what you're here to do. And, and clearly that was not true. <laughs> to your brain is definitely not broken. In fact, it would be the opposite of that. So I appreciate you so much. Everybody check out the podcast. I'm really psyched about this because I've got a lot of long drives back and forth to LA and I'm <laughs> downloading all of these and yes. going to be listening to them on my drive. So it's, this is, I'm going to be able to learn even more. It, mean, it means everything, Christine. So people could just search it on iTunes. It's K KWIK Brain or search my name or um, or go to quickbrain.com and we and have all the great free gifts there. Great. And we'll also link everything in the show notes. So You're thank you so much, Jim. My, my brain, I feels all tingly. <laughs> I feel <laughs> awake and focused and it's just amazing. And I... 
you know, I know our listeners and I know some of the other things that they suffer with and have questions about, and you just dropped so much value and serve them so well. So thank you. Thank you for, for the cape that you wear. And thank you everybody for listening and, and say hi, if you have any questions, uh, t- tag us both on social media and I, w- I would love to connect with you. Yes, you are great on social media. So yeah, interact with Jim. He's, he's amazing as you can tell. All right, everybody, thank you for listening.